We are blessed to live here, aren't we? I feel very blessed to live here, especially as we're studying this psalm, chapter 2. We are getting back into that today. This is a psalm about the nations. And as I study it, it makes me even more grateful to live here. Though, like Rodney said, it's not a perfect nation. Um, and like we learned in this psalm, all nations stretch and strain against the rope of Jesus Christ that binds us. It's restrictive. Now, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we started this psalm. We're going through the first five psalms right now. We started this psalm a couple of weeks ago, and we learned just about the nations and how any nation, national gathering of humans is going to... To some degree, rage against God. They, they are not going to stand for that restrictive Christian mandate that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. This week, we're going to learn about God's reaction to all this. Next week, 4th of July, we're going to learn what our reaction to all this should be. And I think it'll be very fitting to be 4th of July weekend as we study that portion of Scripture. Um, so how does God react to the fact that human nations... Strain against Christ. We're going to read in verses 4 through 9. Before we do, though, let's pray. We always need God's help. I need God's help to be able to explain His scriptures. We all need His help to be able to hear it and understand it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, thank you for allowing us to live in America and all the blessings we enjoy here and, and just your protection over this nation over the years. Lord, will you continue to bless us? And now as we prepare to study your word, will you bless us just with your Holy Spirit? Or breathe your word into our ears this morning. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to respond rightly. Lord, we need your help. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to read it. It's Psalms chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. If you would... Let's stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. We stand in honor of our flags. We should stand even taller in honor of God's Word. Let's read Psalm chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. We're thankful for the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Thank you. So I see three main facets to God's reaction to the nations throughout history and their hesitancy to embrace Christ and 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 God's restrictive way to salvation. Uh, the first one is transcendence. God responds with just transcendence. Look back at verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Back up at verse 1, it says the nations are in an uproar. People are devising a vain thing. They, the kings are taking their stand. The rulers are taking counsel together against the Lord, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. All the while... God, who sits in heaven, laughs, and he scoffs at them. He's in heaven, and he's amused by all this. And this isn't God's version of 30 Rock. 
He's, this is a figure of speech to just show how vain it is. How vain it is for the nations. Remember we read all those examples of persecution against Christians. They wouldn't let Christians build buildings. They, they would arrest Christians claiming that they were, were anti-government. All the nations roar against Christ and Christians. God is just amused. And he's amused because he's transcendent. He's in heaven. It's like trying to punch the sun. Maybe you ever go out and you're sick of being sunburned and you try to retaliate against the sun. There's no way to do it. And that's the same situation we're in when, when the nations rage against God. C.S. Lewis, I'm actually going to read a lot of C.S. Lewis quotes today because he has a lot of good quotes. C.S. Lewis says, A man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling darkness on the wall of his cell. All the rage of the nations amounts to a lunatic scribbling on his cell wall. It's not going to affect our God. He's transcendent. Now, what does that mean for us today, for you in your pew with your situation, and for me up here? I think many things, but we'll highlight one. We need to look to God. We need to look to God in our chaos that we're in. And think about yourself. I know it's hard to move from these high lofty words of Scripture to your real self in your pew right now. Think about what is the chaos, the danger in your life that you cannot see beyond. If you could just look up through the fog of that, you'd see that God is there above it all. Untouched by that danger. And he's okay. Look to God. I've told you guys before about how we'd go to the beach growing up. And the men would go out and we would ride waves on our little rafts. It felt very adventurous as a kid. And I realize now how ridiculous it looks when grown men are out there riding waves. On that little rest. But it felt like a really big deal when we were kids. And I was a little kid. I didn't grow to my current stature until I was about a senior in high school. So I was like this tall when I was 13. And I would go out there with the guys. And my dad would be out there. And for a little kid when I was, I don't know, 6, 7, 8. Maybe not even that young. 8 or 9. It was dangerous out there. Those waves are bigger than my head. My feet couldn't touch the sand on the bottom. So I would just cling to the little raft, and my dad would be out there with me, and he would hold on to the raft too. Now, if dad wasn't there, I would probably have drowned, and I would not be here right now. Because I couldn't, the undertow would have swept me away, the waves would have just buckled me under. But my dad was there, and he was transcendent. He was above the danger of those waves. To him, it was like, just right here on his thighs, you know, it was not a big deal to him. He was probably bored. He was probably yawning. I was sitting there in terror, and he was probably bored. Because he was above it all. So I didn't have to be afraid. I could just look. My dad was okay because he's transcendent above the danger of those waves. And I think for lots of us, we're trying to be okay in our waves, just in of ourselves. Well, you're not okay in your circumstance by yourself. By yourself, you will get bowled over. You will get sucked under by the undertow. But you're okay if God is with you. Look to him. God's transcendence means everything to us. We see here that he's transcendent over the nations. He's transcendent over your circumstance too. And mine too. I know it's hard to see through the fog to see that he's up there and he's okay. He's not worried and he has you. But if you're a Christian, that's the reality for you. So God responds to the nations with transcendence. 
The second thing I see, he responds with fury. Look at verse 5. Then he will speak to them. He'll speak to the nations in his anger and terrify them in his fury. He speaks in anger and he terrifies them in fury. I used to work with a guy at Sears, one of my 150 jobs that led me here. And he was a big guy. He was a country guy. He was taller than everybody else. He had a big scraggly goatee and like buzz cut short hair. And he was intimidating. And he had a deep, booming voice. And he told me a story. He goes to church. Or he went to church. His name was Vance. And he said they were at a camp with kids. And the kids were just crazy. At night, he could hear them in their, in their big room with their bunks just going crazy. And he went in there to see what was going on. And the counselors were just out of control. They couldn't control their kids. And he said all he had to do was walk in there and say, hey. And they just got quiet immediately. And he said, y'all be quiet. And they didn't say a word the rest of the night. Because he just had that air about him. And that's how I, I envision God's voice breaking into this chaos here. You know, our world is in chaos. I think you could agree about that. There's a lot of turmoil going on. And God's voice breaks into that with authority and even anger. And he can quiet it all down in a moment. Don't forget how powerful God's words are. There was a time when there was nothing. Just empty, black nothing. And God spoke into existence everything that is now. His words are powerful. We have that power right here. And his words are sometimes angry. Now I know that's hard for us to understand. Uh, and I don't know that I can explain it all that well to you. So I'm going to turn back to C.S. Lewis again. My last Lewis quotes. Have any of you ever read the Chronicles of Narnia? Any of those Narnia books? Some folks. A lot of folks. Good. Um, have anybody seen the movies? Okay. Some folks. I will ask how you thought the movies had matched up to the book. But one thing I do notice. In the movies... Aslan is the lion, and he, he represents God. He's not nearly as fierce and scary in the movies as I feel like he's presented in the books. In the books, Aslan the lion, who represents God, is terrifying. Even to these little children, he's, he's terrifying. He's a lion. And here's a little snippet of conversation from the book. One of the little girls is talking to Miss Beaver. They're the animal characters in the book. And they're talking about Aslan. And she said, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and make no mistake. No, that you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Miss Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. That's the good picture of our God. We want him to be Grandpa God. Climb up into Grandpa's lap. We want church to be all flannel board and sweater vests and, and fuzzy warm hugs. But our God is fierce. Our God is ferocious. Later on, Lewis puts it this way. But as for Aslan himself, the beavers and the children didn't know what to do or say when they saw him. People who have not been in Narnia sometimes think that a thing cannot be good and terrible at the same time. If the children had ever thought so, they were cured of it now. For when they tried to look at Aslan's face, they just caught a glimpse of the golden mane 
the great, royal, solemn, overwhelming eyes. And then they found that they couldn't look at him and went all trembling. Really like that depiction of our God. That's a God that I can follow. That's a God that I can worship. That's a God that makes sense when I know that Jesus is the clearest picture of it. Jesus was not the feathered hair, dainty Christ that we sometimes see in portraits. Jesus was fierce. And Jesus was the closest look at God that we have. I just want to read to you something I read before in Matthew 23. A conversation Jesus had with some religious people. Where to begin? But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for pretense you make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land and make one proselyte. When it becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Woe to you, blind gods, who say whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men. And it goes on and on. Jesus is fierce. Remember him flipping over tables when he comes in and finds the money changers? Our God is fierce. He's ferocious. Now what does that mean for us? It means simply we should fear God. You heard that proverb, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That may not make sense all the time because we think fear is always negative. But fear can be a good reaction. And it is the beginning of wisdom. If I had a lion up here on this side of the stage, and there was a little spider over here, if I was more afraid of the spider, I would be a fool. Properly placed fear is the beginning of wisdom. And I think a lot of our problem, just as people, even as a church, is that we have misplaced our fear. Our primary fear needs to be God. And it should govern all our other fears. If God is who He says He is, He should be our first concern. He is the giant lion in the room. What's He doing? What do you fear more than God? What occupies your mind more than God when you try to think about your decisions, what's coming up? What concern feels more real in your life than God does? What's the spider in the room for you that makes you forget about God the mind? <coughs> whatever that is, if it's a situation, an unknown, a danger, a person, whatever it is, that's your idol. And you're worshiping that over God. We need to look to God, we need to fear God. There's a third thing I noticed in this about God's reaction. And that's his sovereignty. Sovereignty just means he's in charge, basically. I'll read verses 6 through 9 for you. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. And the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. 
God controls the fate of nations, and He has already installed His King. I want to say something that might clarify our thinking about the nation, especially as we enter July 4th. We live in America, and we're grateful for that. But will America last forever? What God is saying here is that one day, all the nations that humans have come together and devised will crumble one day. It's all going to crumble. And one nation will remain. Do you know what that one nation is? It's the kingdom of God. Christ is already on the throne. And he's already building his kingdom. And he's building it among all the different cultures throughout history. All the different nations. One day, the nations that we perceive that we know are going to crumble. And the only thing left standing is this eternal nation. The kingdom of God. And Christ is the king of that nation. God is in control of all of them. So we don't have any need to be afraid of what's going to happen. We, I know if you read the news, you can get afraid. God's in control of it. It's okay. It doesn't always seem that way, but He is. We need to look to God. We need to fear Him. And we just we need to trust Him. You guys are going to be amazed how early I'm letting you out today. I'm going to start talking very slowly. <laughs> Maybe it's good that this is a briefer sermon because it's very simple. We need to look to God. We need to fear God. We need to trust God. We know these things. How many of you have never heard that you need to trust God? You've heard it. Now, how many of you need to trust God? Yeah, it's a lot different than to hear it and do it. And it's hard to do because... It's dangerous for us down here. We're like me as a little kid, and the wage is dangerous for us. But God's all we have. He's the one that's above it all, and He's the one in control of it all, and He's the one who's ferocious enough that we need to trust Him, fear Him. So from global warming to wars and rumors of wars to national economies and local economies and Job situations and interpersonal situations and unknowns and uncertainties, all of it, we need to figure out how to trust God. Because the Bible teaches clearly that He's sovereign over it all. He's in control over it all. So we either believe that or we don't. Now I suspect that there's not too many of you who lose sleep at night about global warming. And I might be wrong, some of you may be very, very, very concerned about global warming. But I bet it's pretty easy for you to trust God with that. I doubt there's too many of you losing sleep at night over wars or rumors of wars. Some of you may be. I know some of you have people who are on the front lines. And, and you might have a concern for your relative or your loved one or your friend. But I doubt many of you are concerned that something's going to happen and America's going to get taken over tomorrow. It's relatively easy to trust God for that. Now, how many of you are losing sleep over something else, something closer? Something related to your family, something related to your bank account, something related to your immediate future. Those are the hard things to trust God for. But now think about it. If we can trust God for global warming, for wars and rumors of wars and big stuff, 
If he can handle that, can he not handle this? Can he not handle these things that are keeping us up at night? I don't think there's anything we're saying to you guys new this morning about God. I think we've all heard that he's big, he's powerful, he loves us, and he's in control. What, what's keeping us from believing it? What's keeping us from believing it and living in the freedom of that? I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I, I have ideas about my own, my own trust issues with God. But I don't know what it is for you. But our God is transcendent and he's ferocious and he's in control. So now, since I'm finishing so very early, I would just like to pray for you. And since we'll have so much time, maybe this will be a good chance if anyone would like to come forward and pray up here. And if anyone would like to be prayed with, I would love to pray with you. And I always bring unexpected things on Jim. Maybe if you could play a little something. Uh, sorry. Let me pray for you, and as Jan plays, we'll just have some time, quiet, eyes closed, head bowed time to pray to this God, to figure out what it is that we're fearing above God, to ask Him to break down those walls so we can trust. Trust Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And it's power. May it be powerful in our hearts now, today. May we be able to see who you are in your word and believe it with our hearts, not just with our heads. I know that there are people in here who are in the midst of crushing waves of danger and pain. And worry and chaos. I know those situations are so very real. But I also know that you're there and that you're above it all. God, please help us to look up and see you up there and to trust you. You've not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. We're sons and daughters. And help us to live like that. Yeah, that's perfect.